Um, so it's good to see you guys. So for those of you who may not have met me before, I see a couple new faces. My name is Adam, and um, like Dave said, I'm in the Dryden campus most of the time, but I try to make it out here when I have a, a free extra couple hours on Sunday mornings. Um, it is so good to be here with you guys. Um, the week of Thanksgiving, for me, this is the hardest week of the year for me because everyone in my house tries to hit Christmas this week, but I make them hold off. We don't do Christmas music, we don't do Christmas movies, nothing until Friday. We do Thanksgiving first. We give thanks. So, um, so for those of you who might not know, I actually come from a uh, relatively large family. Do I have any large family people here? Either from a large family or creating a large family. Um, so I am one of... Oh, uh, 11, wow. 10, 9, 9, 9 or 10, I don't know, I forget, um, and uh, most of my siblings are older than me, I am second youngest, which is not great, it's sort of like being a middle child, it's almost exactly like being a middle child, middle children, anybody, oh, there we are, I won't forget you, um, <laughs> Uh, so it, it, big family, you know, like my, my older siblings are like 15 years older than me. So by the time I was like 10, 11, 12, they were all like having families. So um, as a 10-year-old young boy trying to make his mark in his family, um, it was difficult to be heard sometimes. Um, some of it was volume issues. Um, there was a little, it was loud when we were all together. But other parts of it is, you know, I'm, I'm a child, you know, so it is, had, we had moments where I really felt like, you know, you know, the adult heard me, they listened to me, but they didn't really, like, hear me. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that, you know, it's not always a fun feeling, feeling like you aren't being heard. Does anybody relate to that? Yep. Got like two, three people, all right. You guys are doing better than I am. Um, but one thing I won't forget, the first time where I, felt, I actually felt like they heard me. First time, I don't even remember what the situation was. All I remember was the feeling of, hey, they heard what I said, and something happened because of it. Like there was, I felt like there was a connected value. And at that moment, I was like, I'm part of the family. <laughs> I actually felt like I was part of something. And it's, it, was, it was nice. Everyone likes being heard, yeah? Um, and that's one thing I've learned in my relatively short life so far. So far. Um, I'm not, well, let's just put it this way. I'm not aged, but I'm old enough. Um, I have figured out... Yeah, Dave blamed me for looking at him last time, so I intentionally didn't even look in that corner of the room. Um, you're not that old. You know, I'm close enough, but yeah. Anyways, um, one thing I figured out is that people, people, everyone wants to be heard. We all want to be heard. Um, and I'm sure if we think about it, if you guys think about it, that you could come up with at least one time in your life where you felt like you weren't being heard. Anybody come up with a, I, mean, I, don't, I don't need examples, but everybody can think of something most of the time. Maybe it's at work, you have a good idea, 
you have something that looks like it needs to be addressed, you talk to your boss, and they're like, yep, all right, we'll, uh, we'll get to that. And they just kind of brush you off. Sometimes in family, like with my experience, you know, you feel like maybe they listened to you a little bit, but didn't really hear you or validate it or care sometimes. These are all feelings. I think my family cares about me. Just throwing that out there. My family cares about me. Um, but feelings are a funny thing. Or in relationships, friends, maybe spouses. I know from personal experience being married for 14 years that I struggle with hearing my wife sometimes. She hears me loud and clear. And uh, me, I, I need to work on it. You know, I, I don't hear her as well. She's great. She's fantastic. Uh, she's not here at the moment, but she is good. <laughs> um, but the real question is, question that I began to ask myself, and I would encourage you to ask yourself the same question. When was the last time that you felt like God didn't hear you? I've experienced it. I feel like most people have. There's a moment in your life where you're, you're, you're praying maybe or you're asking God for something and it feels like you're just kind of bouncing off the ceiling. Anybody relate to that? Yes. And I think the big idea we're going to think about today, we're going to talk about is that no matter what we go through in our lives, that we can have faith that God hears us. And this is made very evident in a story out of 1 Samuel. That's where we're going to be, Samuel chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 1 and a little bit of chapter 2. But we see a story um, of Hannah. Now, just a little bit of background. The books of 1 and 2 Samuel is a, is a pivot point in the history for Israel. Okay? So prior to the books, um, Israel is kind of a... Uh, They're like a uh, tribal confederation. So they're a group of tribes living together, identifying with each other, and sort of sometimes working together and getting along sometimes. But there's, it's, it's, it's loose. It's a loose cooperation. Um, and then throughout the books of First and Second Samuel and after, we see them ter- the, the loose tribal confederation turn into a monarchy. We see Samuel, who's one of the first prophets. We see... King Saul, and we see King David, and we see this development of a nation. Um, so Samuel's at that pivot point in the Old Testament where they go from a group of people to an organized group of people. Um, but even before Samuel was born, even before you know, God uses him to anoint kings, they call him the kingmaker. Before even that happens, we see Samuel's mom, Hannah, in chapter 1, and we see this great story unfold of, of her situation. So we're going to read that, and um, we're going to pull out a couple of things that we kind of that that kind of saw as, we, as, I, as I studied this passage. So uh, verse 1 says, There was a certain man for Ramathaim, a Zuphrite, from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jerome, the son of Elihu, Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zufa, Zuf, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni 
and Phineas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah, Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Peninia, and all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? First thing I noticed on this is that uh, Hannah's family was not very helpful. Um, she had her rival, other wife, who was able to have kids. In the way, in the way that, it, that it reads, it says he had two wives, Hannah and Penina. And that kind of indicates that Hannah was first wife. That's what they think. This is first wife and maybe the most loved. And then Penina was kind of like um, the one that actually could bear children. And then when he talks about Penina had children and Hannah didn't, it kind of reversed their positions in, in, the, in the family. Um, but back in this time, um, childbearing was socially and culturally very important. That was how a, a family grew. That is how, you know, um, names, households continued was through the birth of sons. So for Hannah to not be able to have children, for her, that was a, as a crippling, it was a crippling experience for her. Her, her good husband, he tried. You know, like he obviously knows her. He knows her situation. And she would, she would, she would be provoked by Panina so much that she would, she would cry. She would be downheart, downcast, or, or uh, what they say, downhearted. Um, and I, I feel like, you know, those are just kind of, you know, depression words. She was kind of depressed. Um, and we see that in, you know, so he would go to her and say, hey, why are you crying? I mean, to me, that, that, that sounds like it would be rather irritating. <laughs> your husband, your spouse, knows what your problem is. And he goes, hey, why are you crying? Why are you, why are you, why are you so upset? Why are you depressed? Why aren't you eating? You need to eat food. But then he tags on the end. He's like, don't I mean more to you? And ten sons, like I get it. He was trying. He was really trying to kind of like give her some comfort, but it didn't work. Sometimes, as husbands, we fail, <laughs> and this is a good example of that. But it really kind of tells it shows us that like even though you have family, they don't always hear what you what you're going through. You know, and sometimes it can come off as insensitive or maybe something that can be, that can make it a little worse. But verse 9 says, once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair at the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me. And not forget your servant, but give her a son. Then I will give him back to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. 
Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk. And he said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the Lord of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. In this little section, we see that Hannah took her grief and her anguish and her problems right to God. So she went to the temple. She went to church. Great place to be. I got one. She went to church. Great place to be. There we go. There we go. Um, She didn't go there to see Eli. She didn't go to see the pastor. She didn't go to see the people that worked at the church. She went there, and she poured her heart out to God about what she was going through. And to the point where Eli thought she may have had a little bit too much to drink. Um, So a good little background on that is uh, around this time, praying was a very vocal exercise. You would pray out loud when you were at the temple. That was common. It was to be heard. In a way, it was just, it, that's just normally how it was done. So when Hannah was moving her mouth and no words were coming out, he thought she may have gone gotten a little too much into the celebration. Um, so after he, after he realized, oh wait, she's not drunk, she's not she, she, she's she's pouring her heart out. She is desperately seeking God for something. So what does he do? He says, you know what? Go home. Go in peace. You know, and then he speaks a blessing. May, may the Lord grant your request that you've asked from him. So what does Hannah do? She goes home. She goes and eats something. She feels better. So going to church, praying to God, helps you feel better. Um, but so she took that. She took that to heart. She said, "Okay, God has heard me," and she believed on faith. And she did not go back into her depression. You could say. She went, she went back and she, she ate something. She felt better. Then it continues. Early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord and then went back to their home in Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. When her husband, Elkanah, went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord, And to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, her husband Elkanah told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed the boy until until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took him home. She took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you and prayed to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord, 
and he worshiped the Lord there. And then in chapter 2, first couple of verses, we're going to read the first bit of her, her prayer, her praise. It says, Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord, in the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. We see at the end of the story that Hannah, she is granted her request. She gets the son that she has been desperately and most likely for years has been asking for and has been very broken up over not having. So God gives her a son. That's, that's, that's amazing. So she has a son now. She does not focus on, hey, I have a son. I am good. God gave me what I wanted. And then here's my son. Bam. She could have very easily have focused on her son and made that the point of what God did for her. Right? But instead, she made, she made good on her vow to God and then just abandoned him at the temple. No, she didn't abandon him. She, she, she left him at the temple to serve the Lord for his entire life because that's what she said she would do. She expressed her gratitude not for the gift that she got, the request. She expressed gratitude to God for remembering her. So she remembered very clearly not the gift, but the one who gave the gift. And I think that's really important for us is to remember that, you know, when God gives us good things, it's not necessarily, the good thing is good, right? It's good, it's good to have good things, but to remember who gave us the good things. So no matter what we go through, we can have faith that God hears us. So how, 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 how do we take some of these ideas that we, that we read about in this story and maybe apply it to our own lives and our, and our own situations? Because we all have different situations. Not all of us are praying for kids. I'm done praying for kids. I'm done with that. Um, we're good. So, but I have other things. I have other things in my life, like all of us do. So a couple things that we can do. One, we can be ready. Be ready for what? That's a very vague term. You are correct. We can be ready to bring our stuff, our desires, our issues in our lives, our struggles, the things that we have trouble with, or the things that we have a deep passion for, we bring them to God. Hannah did not bring things to the church, but she used the church to bring it to God. She prayed. She didn't bring it to her family because they weren't any help anyways. She brought it to the one person that could have a difference in her situation. And I think a lot of times that we, kinda, we can forget. We have all these things that happen. We need a new job. We need a vehicle. Looking for a house. I had all three of those things over the last several months. And we can get focused on the physicality of it. I need to, you know, our, our wife got into an accident back in September. Um, the vehicle got totaled. We needed a vehicle. We've been looking for a house. We needed a house. Very hard to find a house in the market, by the way, just saying. Um, and, and then I need, and because of the house situation, we're moving further away from my work, I was like, I really need a different, different, different job, a different work situation. It's very easy to forget that God can handle all those things, no matter how big they feel to us. Um, and I think that's really important 
to kind of evaluate these situations in our lives. What is our default? What do we normally do? Do we try to figure it out on our own? Do we bring the people close to us to help get a solution? Not, and, and those aren't always bad things. Or do we go to God first? Do we bring to him and say, I have a need, I have a problem, I have a desire, and give it to him. See, here it is. That is what Hannah did. She pressed into God. Everyone here, I'm guessing, probably knows what prayer is when I say that. Um, so my child, one of them, Jenna, eight years old, cutest little kid ever, except for my other three. Because um, <laughs> I, I, I can't, yeah, no, I love them all equally. Um, but Jenna, I had a conversation with her because I was working on this um, and doing something. She's like, and she, so she's like, what are you doing? So I started talking to her about what I was preparing. And uh, we were talking about prayer. And she, I was like, you know what prayer is, right? She's like, yeah, we, we pray to God and we ask him to bless our food and we ask him for this and we do that and we pray for other people so they can heal them and all this fun stuff. And I'm like, great. And I'm like, I'm like you do know that prayer is just talking to God, right? She was like, you can see it. Like She's like processing. The wheels are spinning. And I'm like, it, it's the same thing as you talking to me. You come and ask me questions and we have a conversation. And then you just see this like light turned on in her, in her head. She's like, oh. She's like, so I don't have to fold my hands? I'm like, no, no. So she had this realization that prayer is just communicating. It's just talking. And it was so nice to see that. To see that. But I think sometimes that we put a nice label of prayer on it, a good church word on it, and we kind of forget maybe. We're just talking with God. We're talking with our Father who loves us, who has done so much for us already, and, and wants to know what we need. God, God, God is a great God, but he also wants to talk to us. He wants us to talk to him. If I know my child needs something, sometimes I'll wait for him to ask me. Just because I know they have a need for something doesn't mean I'm just going to do it. I want them to talk to me. I want them to ask me for something. It doesn't change the fact that I'm going to give it to them either way, but I want them to come to me. God wants us to come to him with our things, with our good things, our bad things, our things that we don't know what to do with. So we need to be ready. Another thing, this is, this is a good one. We need to be joyful. Be joyful in waiting. Who likes to wait for things? Oh. <laughs> I got no hands. <laughs> Waiting is not necessarily an enjoyable activity. Amen? Yeah. Um, usually we like to have things when? Now. now. But after Hannah had her experience at the temple and Eli spoke over her, she did not have a child when she walked away from the temple. Okay? That's not how that worked. Okay? God's not a vending machine. We don't put a prayer in and get our answer right away. Sometimes he works that way, but it's not the expectation. Um, she didn't go back to her, her not eating and her misery and her anguish. She had faith because somebody spoke into her life and gave her a promise, you know, may God give you your request. So she took that on faith and said, you know what? I can trust God. He can take care of this. 
She went home. She had a snack. She felt better. She felt better. And she experienced joy in her waiting. And that, for me, is probably a very, for me, that's a hard task. That's a hard task. But we can experience joy while we're waiting for our answer. The last thing I got here is that we could be grateful. We could be grateful specifically to the one who hears us. He is the one that hears our requests. He hears our prayers. He cares about us. And like Hannah, we should focus on who gives us the gifts, who gives us the good things in our lives, and the grace that he gives us. And we express our gratitude towards him. Now, it's, it's easy. It's easy when, when you receive something to say, thank you. I've ingrained it into my kids most of the time. I give them something, and there's usually one child that says it first. They say, thank you, and then everyone else chimes in because they forgot. But it's easy when you get something immediately, say thank you. But I think sometimes that we get so many good things that we forget to say thank you. Who, got a, who woke up this morning? Only a few people. Okay. <laughs> that is something to be grateful for, right? You're here with your family. That is something to be grateful for. You have clothes. You have shoes. That is something to be grateful for. I think we need to be more intentional on actively being grateful for the things that God does for us. Amen. The big things, the little things, every day. Oh, yes. I'm not great at this at all. I try. But I think if we develop a habit of at least one time, one time each day, God, thank you. Thank you for getting me to work on time. Thank you for the traffic worked out. Thank you for my job. Thank you for the people in my life. Thank you that my kids still like me. You know, <laughs> the little things, the little things. Um, so let's not distract ourselves with the good stuff that God gives us. The good stuff is good. Amen? Amen? But let's make sure we are focused on who gave us the good stuff. Because I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, you could start now, right now, and start thanking God for everything he's done for you. From now until you die, you're not going to cover it. You're not going to get to everything. Let's live a life of gratitude. So as we do our first close and bring it around, no matter what we go through, we can have faith that God hears us, really hears us. And this is a great week. It's not Christmas yet. Sorry. This is a good week. This is the week of Thanksgiving. It's a season of giving thanks and showing gratitude. As we go into this week, let's not forget to give thanks for the, to the one who hears us. So be ready. Be ready to give your stuff to God. Be joyful. Joyful and waiting for him. And be grateful. Be grateful to the one who does more than we could even think to ask of. Let's stand and pray. Father, we thank you.
We thank you for all your, all the good things that you do for us, the grace and the mercy that you show us on a regular basis. Lord, we ask that you would just, um, during this season, bring to mind all the good things that you've done to us, the small things, the big things, the work you did on the cross. We could say thank you every single day, every moment of every day for that act, and still not cover it. We ask that as, as we would move into this time of thankfulness, that you would just let your grace and mercy just flow out of us into the family around us that we're going to be spending time with. And, you ask, and we ask this in your name. Amen.